0: SatanCon 2023 features all the typical Democratic talking points, plus Satan, of course. The Met Gala features freaks and weirdos of all sorts, and the White House prepares for an unprecedented wave of illegal immigrants. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. This episode is brought to you by Good Ranchers. Change the way you buy meat this summer. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use my code Ben for 30 bucks off any box. That's GoodRanchers.com. Promo code Ben today. Well, folks, the rise of the Satanists is kind of fascinating. Now, I'm not saying there are Satanists around every corner that the Satanists are hiding under, bed, anything like that. But one of the things that has happened in our post-God culture is that Satanism and, and its sort of weird philosophical offshoots have now embedded themselves all over American society. I don't mean people who literally worship Satan. I just mean that the political positions and the philosophical positions that are taken by Satanists, like sort of the modern day Satanists, they've embedded themselves everywhere. The reason that this comes to mind is because there was a clip that was floating around the internet yesterday from Boston SatanCon. So first of all, I should mention at this point that the Satanists allegedly have like the the Satanic temples. There are a bunch of different Satanic little institutions. And um, the Satanic temple, the one that was holding SatanCon, apparently has about 700,000 members at this point, registered members. They put out a press release on this. According to statistics published by the Pew Research Center, this new membership milestone ranks the Satanic Temple ahead of worldwide numbers of Rastafarian just under Unitarian Universalism in total worldwide adherence. And so there's a video going around from SatanCon 2023 of a young woman who's ripping pages out of the Bible and throwing them on the ground. Here's what it looked like. She's just shouting as she rips pages out of a Bible and casts them on the ground. She said before doing this, quote, we stand here today in defiance of their siege and destroy their symbols of oppression. She also uh, ripped up a thin blue line flag representing the police. A male leader joined her in tearing that thin blue line flag into. They tossed that on the floor while the crowd cheered. And then Satanists apparently picked up the ripped pages off the floor and posed with them for pictures. The male leader apparently said we must build true community outside the virtual Rebelling comes in many forms to each and their own within their own capabilities and their own situation for some of us. Merely existing one more day is victory for those of us who can. We must stand up to those who cannot. So the temple, the satanic temple, the temple of Satanism or whatever this this ridiculous organization is, it claims to be non-theistic. They say that they don't actually believe in a personal Satan like the supernatural being that would be Satan in sort of traditional Christian theology. And as you will note, the crossover between the fundamental tenets of the satanic temple and the fundamental tenets of sort of left wing liberalism at this point are almost indistinguishable, which is why the Satan Con twenty twenty three schedule featured, and I'm now reading you the names of some of the some of the events at Satan Con twenty twenty three, deconstructing your religious upbringing with Judas Marduk, <laughs> fake name, right? Reclaiming the trans body, atheistic strategies for self determining and empowerment. Ah, yes, the trans body because. Obviously, Satan is a big fan of the trans, according to the Satanic Temple. Sins of the Flesh, Satanism, and Self-Pleasure from Dr. Eric Sprenkel. Reimagining Lilith as an archetype for reproductive justice, according to Amanda Barton. And Satanism and the BIPOC experience from Sit Lally and Panel. So just to check off those boxes, that would be Why Religion is Terrible. That would be Transgenderism. That would be Hedonism and Masturbation abortion, and racial intersectionality. Those are the things that are being reviewed at SatanCon 2023, right? There's a reason for this. Here are the seven fundamental tenets of the satanic temple. And the reason, again, that I'm bringing this up, not just because this clip is floating around the internet, but because once you recognize that so much of today's politics, so much of today's value system is built around opposition to traditional morality, you can actually spot where the problem may lie in the destruction of our civil society. The seven fundamental tenets of the satanic temple are one should strive to act with compassion and empathy towards all creatures in accordance with reason. Right? Reason is going to replace, again, these are people who call, call themselves Satanists. Reason is going to replace religion. There is no objective morality. All that exists is what's in your mind. And it's all about compassion and reason. This is the hallmark of sort of enlightenment thinking, post-enlightenment thinking. It goes absolutely nowhere because as it turns out, When you leave people to their own devices in terms of reason and compassion, they tend to have compassion for themselves and their friends, and they tend to utilize their reason to justify their own cruel and bad behavior. Another of the seven fundamental tenets, the struggle for justice is an ongoing and necessary pursuit that should prevail over laws and institutions, right? All of tradition should be worn down and destroyed because we have these higher ideals of justice that we can't actually explain, but it means that everything that is old should just be bashed down. One's body is inviolable, subject to one's own will alone because all you are is your body and your subjective sense of pleasure. The freedoms of others should be respected, including the freedom to offend. To willfully and unjustly encroach upon the freedoms of another is to forego one's own. Well, the satanic temple presumably does not believe totally in the freedoms of others because they're obviously very much pro-abortion, they're in favor of the transing of the children, and all the rest. Beliefs should conform to one's best scientific understanding of the world. One should take care never to distort scientific facts to fit one's belief, says once again the satanic temple that is called the satanic temple and also is, uh, is a backer of abortion and transgenderism among children. People are fallible. If one makes a mistake, one should do one's best to rectify it and resolve any harm that may have been caused. And every tenet is a guiding principle designed to inspire nobility in action and thought. The spirit of compassion, wisdom, and justice should always prevail over the written or spoken word. So again, it's this sort of Gnostic spirit prevails over, the, over action. Spirit prevails over word. Spirit prevails over law. It's, it's feelings, but it's also science. But it's also Satanism. Now, the reason, again, that I'm bringing this up is because the perspectives that are being mirrored by the Satanic Temple, the, the secular culture is not taking itself from Satanism. Satanism, in this particular iteration, is taking itself from just general secular values. And so when you see the identity of the two, that should tell you something about where we stand morally in Western society today. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, summer is here. Good Ranchers would like to give you what you've been craving. A nice summer steak on the grill. Can you hear that sizzle already? Good Ranchers has specially sourced kosher steak just for me because I'm a special person. And it was amazing. I'm telling you, like one of the best steaks I have ever had in my life. Every cut of Good Ranchers is sourced from local American farms and hand cut trimmed and aged to perfection. They have ribeyes, New York strips, all-natural burgers, and the most delicious chicken you could ever want. Plus, you can get 30 bucks off with my code BEN at GoodRanchers.com. Good Ranchers is committed to giving you inflation-proof meat you can count on right now. They're offering a price-lock guarantee for the next two years. Imagine if you could have locked in your price on meat like two years ago. That would have been a smart thing to do. Good Ranchers also donates 10 meals for every box you order. They've pledged to never source meat outside the United States. You know exactly where your meat is coming from. Change the way you buy meat this summer. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use my code BEN for 30 bucks off any box. That is promo code Ben at GoodRanchers.com. GoodRanchers.com is American meat delivered. Again, go to GoodRanchers.com. Use code Ben, 30 bucks off any box to get started today. We'll get to more on this in just a moment. First, financial experts thought we were in the clear. While experts anticipated rate cuts from the Fed, inflation in the United States remains a significant economic concern. Think about it. The U.S. is in the hole by $34 trillion, but we're going to continue to print money and borrow money, which means the prices that you pay every day are going to continue to rise. So we can either bury our heads in the sand, or we could, you know, do the smart thing that you do financially, which is diversify. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation. Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They'll help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax sheltered IRA in gold. You're not going to pay a penny out of pocket. Gold is part of my savings strategy. I get my gold from Birch Gold. They've been the exclusive gold partner of The Daily Wire for over seven years now, literally helping thousands of our listeners. They can help you too. Text Ben to 989898. Get your free info kit on gold then talk to a precious metal specialist about protecting your savings from persistent inflation with gold. Text Ben to 989898. Right now, again, diversification, just a smart fiscal strategy. Go check them out right now. Text Ben to 989898 98 98 to get started. All righty, so the coincidence between sort of secular morality and Satanism is very clear, at least according to the Satanic Temple. They said they do not subscribe to supernaturalism. So in that way, we do not believe that Satan is a deity, being, or person. As an organized religion, we actively provide outreach and participate in public affairs where the issues might benefit from rational, Satanic insight. What is their mission? The mission is to encourage benevolence and empathy among all people. We believe that we should all be guided by our consciences to undertake noble pursuits, guided by our individual wills. The Nietzschean, Superman, it's all will. The satanic temple practices non-theistic satanism. We believe religion can and should be divorced from superstition as such. We do not believe in either God or the devil as supernatural forces. We bow to no gods or gods or celebrate our outsider status and celebrate our outsider status. To embrace the name Satan is to embrace rational inquiry removed from supernaturalism and archaic tradition-based superstitions. The Satanist should actively work to hone critical thinking and exercise reasonable inquiry in all things. Our beliefs must be malleable to the best current scientific understandings of the material world, never the reverse. So they, they say that they differ only in secular philosophies in a couple of ways. Quote, a unifying attribute of all Satanists is our embrace of our outsider status. Satanists adhere to the principles of individual sovereignty and the rejection of tyrannical authority. Additionally, Satanism is deeply rooted in a rich historical tradition which spans thousands of years in cultures across the globe. We embrace our literary and philosophic roots as part of our religion. These histories and concerns are of paramount importance to us but are not fundamental components of humanism or other secular philosophies. So basically, they are just secularism but they like to hook that up with Satanism. Now again, these two things are not in direct opposition. Remember that Satan as a you know, sort of quasi-biblical concept, you know, it differs from Judaism to Christianity, but historically speaking, Satan was the opposite of God. Well, secularism also considers itself in many ways the opposite of God. So there is an identity between the two, which is why you see the values of SatanCon being mirrored in so much of our society. Like the same classes being taught at SatanCon are now taught in third grade at public schools across the nation. And why, why gender is, is a spectrum why you should be able to trans the kids, why abortion is an ultimate good, the, the value of, of, transe- of intersectional identity. All of these things that are being taught in the widespread culture are being mirrored by the satanic temple and vice versa. Because when you realize that secularism defines itself in opposition to traditional religious values, you understand the, necess- the necessity of transgressing all the rules, breaking down all the rules, breaking down all the boundaries. And so when I say that Satanism is now diffused through the side, again, I don't mean that people worship Satan. I mean that in the original, original sense, if you read the Bible, like the original Hebrew Bible, when it talks about Satan, it's talking about the adversary. The adversary in Jewish philosophy is supposed to be a messenger of God who, who sort of plays almost prosecuting attorney against man. But the idea of being adversarial toward religion has now been taken up by all of our society, which is how you get to the cultural predations that we currently see in which all traditional ideas have to be torn down. Now, I will mention the cowardice of the people over at the Satanic Temple. I noticed one thing they were not doing is ripping the pages out of the Quran. They're very fond of ripping pages out of Bibles because they know that Christians are going to be totally fine with it and don't care and are annoyed, but but let it go. You rip the pages out of a Quran and see how it goes for you over at SatanCon 2023. Now again, this has spread itself particularly culturally throughout American society. Secularism forms itself into religion the barrier between secularism and religious practice is actually really, really low. Secularism originally saw itself as the hard-headed, rationalistic, scientific opposite of supernatural-based religion. And this was always a lie because supernatural-based religion, which is basically the idea that there is a God who is the creator of the universe and who designed natural systems in which we all live, it actually allows for scientific progress because it means one, an understandable universe the human mind is capable of grasping, two, a predictable universe in which rules actually apply, and three, an imperative for you to know God and therefore to know the universe. Right? These are all inventions of monotheism. With that said, the secular world basically rejects all of that and they say, no, 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 we're going to jettison God we to get rid of objective moral standards. We're going to use what's in your own head as the moral guidepost and as the scientific guidepost. The problem is the human being, the human brain requires religious belief. And so secularism has now formed itself into a religion. It doesn't call itself satanic, but it is in fact a religion complete with saints and devils, complete with religious iconography, complete with bizarre spectacle and supernatural type interventions. Secularism has become its own religion. At least the satanic temple is saying what it is out loud. We say we're a non-theistic religion. Secularism claims that it is not a religion, but in fact, it is significantly more religious than most religious communities. It casts out heretics and destroys them. It has child sacrifice attached to it. And the, the game that you have to play in order to be part of the secularized religion is you have to be willing to violate taboos. That's the biggest thing. All the religious taboos must be broken, which brings us to the Met Gala. We'll get to that momentarily first. You know about those big wireless companies out there. They lock you into expensive contracts. If you try to get out of them early, they tack on outrageous charges. You don't need any of that in this terrible economic climate. That's why I made the switch over to PureTalk where there are no hidden fees, no contracts, no hassle. PureTalk has a range of affordable cell phone plans to choose from. You can find the perfect option for your needs like unlimited talk, text, plenty of data for just 30 bucks a month. PureTalk will save the average family over $900 a year. Think about what you could do with that kind of money. Plus, you're not going to get cheap, inconsistent service with PureTalk. You get the same coverage you're used to at half the rate you are currently paying. I use PureTalk, their 5G service is quite fast. It never drops my calls. PureTalk's U.S. customer service-based team helped me make the switch. In as little as 10 minutes, I was even able to keep my phone number as well. Not only are you going to save money, you'll get the satisfaction of knowing you're supporting an excellent American company because the CEO and chairman of PureTalk is a U.S. military veteran. When you become a PureTalk customer, you're given the option to support America's warrior partnership. It's an organization that works to support military veterans. Head on over to puretalk.com, enter promo code Shapiro, save 50% off your very first month of coverage. That's puretalk.com, promo code Shapiro. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. That is the reason I made the switch, and you should too. Head on over to puretalk.com, enter promo code Shapiro, save 50% off your very first month of coverage. That's puretalk.com, promo code Shapiro. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Not only do blinds enhance the aesthetic appeal of your home, they also offer practical benefits. By effectively blocking out harmful UV rays, they help protect your furniture and flooring from fading, ensuring your interiors retain their beauty for years to come. Their insulating properties help regulate the temperature inside your home, keeping it comfortable year-round while potentially reducing your energy bills. With over 40,000 five-star reviews, Blinds.com is the number one online retailer of custom window coverings. You can measure and install them yourself or have Blinds.com send local professionals to take care of the installation for you. There's no showroom, no retail markets, no matter how many, or installation is just one low cost. And if you don't have an eye for design, Blinds.com experts are always available to help choose the style and color right for you. Everything they sell is covered by their perfect fit and 100% satisfaction guarantee. With hundreds of styles and colors to choose from, Blinds.com is sure to have the perfect treatments for your windows. Shop Blinds.com's anniversary sale right now through March 13th for up to 50% off. Again, save up to 50% off for limited time at blinds.com. And when you check out, don't forget to tell them you heard about them at the Ben Shapiro show. Rules and restrictions may apply. All right, so this brings us to the Met Gala. The Met Gala every year is sort of a mix between SatanCon 2023 and a bizarre event from the capital of the Hunger Games. So the Met Gala this year features a bunch of people who obviously believe in the secular religion and who dress up, in garishly bizarre fashion, in order to violate taboos and slay the Lukes. thats spelled L-E-W-K-S. That's what the kids tell me. And um, in doing so, the goal is to shock. And because if you shock the, the shock effect of what people wear at the Met Gala, it's all about violating the prescribed rules. Now, very often prescribed fashion rules—I mean, to a certain in a certain sense, a lot of fashion rules are arbitrary, right? Never wear white after Labor Day, right? These are these are sort of just things that people have done culturally speaking. And there may not be a a great reason for it. Maybe there is a good reason for it, but nobody knows them. But there are a lot of rules that get violated at the Met Gala, like traditional rules about beauty or traditional rules about modesty or traditional rules about gender. And they are all violated. And the more you violate them, the more the press adores you, the more the press loves you. This is why over at the Met Gala, some of the most treasured people are the people who speak to the press outside and then talk about their violations of sort of traditional morals and norms. Now, a couple of the guests over at the Met Gala were Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union. One, one of the things that they have decided to do is to trans their child. They have a teenage boy who they say is a girl and they've gotten him hormone therapy and all the rest. And they started this when the kid was like 11, 12 years old. So here's Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union talking about their trans kid and leaving the state of Florida. These are the heroes at, at places like the Met Gala.
1: What's your message to Ron DeSantis?
2: I don't, I don't know him. Um, but I do know men lie, women lie, but numbers don't. I do know that when our children feel accepted, that 43% of our children uh, that feels accepted from their parents, from the world, it lowers the death rate. Suicide is high in the trans community. It's high in, in youth. And so I'm going to step on the side of acceptance, and I'm not going to even go on the other side. I'm going to just focus on acceptance. And so let's... Let's make sure our kids have an opportunity to live this life that we all get to live. And um, it starts with our gun safety laws, obviously. We have a lot of work to do there in our schools, um, but also to,
0: you know, in our community, which is the trans community. Right. Acceptance. That's the chief value. That's the The only thing of value is acceptance, tolerance, diversity, except for, you know, religious worldviews. Those are those are really bad. And as you may notice. Mirroring sort of principle one of the Satanic Temple, there one should strive to act with compassion and empathy toward all creatures in accordance with reason, and not in accordance with morality, not in accordance with objective decency, in accordance with whatever you think today. Here's Gabrielle Union, who is, I believe, the stepmother not not the not the biological mother of the trans child in question.
1: Just talked to your husband about moving from Florida. One of the reasons is safety for your family.
2: Safety,
1: safe. Could you tell? How we'd
2: like to live. Turns could you tell me about? Yeah, I mean, we had to think about where every member of our household would be comfortable and welcome and celebrated. And I, you know, in, in twenty sixteen, there was a move towards uh, a less inclusive world, and we felt that pretty immediately. You know, of course, all of our friends in Miami—they were like, "When are you coming back?" And and I was thinking, well, where would our children? Where would Kavia James go to school where they're open to teaching facts? And ac- ac- accurate and, you know, accurate history. And and where can they say gay, much less trans? And where would we maybe not get arrested for uh, affirming our, our child's identity?
0: She is so awful. But again, that's the value system. They, by the way, they moved to California in like 2019. So they're only being asked about it right now, obviously, because Ronda Sands is the governor and may run for president. But, you know, these are the kinds of people who attend the Met Gala. They are all part of the sort of religious community that is secular slash satanic community. Again, I use satanic here in its its sort of most generic sense. Not like they actually draw pentagons on the floor and then light candles in the center or something like that. So now let's go through some of the outfits. Because, again, fashion says something about the inner person. Now, if you are what you wear, then it's sort of fascinating to see how people are about violating the rules and how the media have decided to violate all the rules. The reason this looks like the Capitol in the Hunger Games is because the whole purpose of the Capitol in the Hunger Games, and that's the imagery that obviously springs to mind for everyone who watches the Met Gala. The reason that that springs to mind is because the Hunger Games is about a group of elites who live at the expense of everybody else while violating all of the rules that they impose on everyone else, because they are the elites and they get to do that. so here, let's go through some of these looks, because again, it's all about transgressivism. It's all about the cult of personal identity and the belief that your feelings are sufficient to guide the rest of mankind and that the only value system is what you hold internally. It's all about tolerance of you. It's not about your tolerance of others. It's about everybody else tolerating you. It's about shifting all of society's rules and mores in order to please yourself. And the media cheer this kind of crap on because if you're talking about the high priesthood of the secular religion that has now taken over our society, that high priesthood is Hollywood, and then these sort of town criers for the regime are the members of the press who all buy into this exact same moral system, this secular moral system that rejects the notion of an objective morality with actual rules and traditions that are worthy of respect. We'll get to the actual Lukes over at the, uh, at the Met Gala in one second first. I got to tell you about something that actually is great that you can do to preserve your past and your family's past. I'm talking about Legacy Box. Legacy Box is the safest and easiest way to preserve your family's favorite memories. Your family's special moments, if they were captured on analog media, like film reels or tapes, are in danger. You can't keep these things in a hot attic or damp basement and then expect them to survive the test of time. With Mother's Day quickly approaching, Legacy Box makes a great gift for the entire family. Relive those special moments like your wedding day or your kids' first steps or your favorite family vacation. Legacy Box is a simple and safe way to digitize your treasured videotapes, film reels, and photos. Everything is professionally digitized right here in the United States. Just send in your old media. Their team will send everything back in a digital format so you can share it on social media for your family and friends. Over 1 million families have trusted Legacy Box to preserve their memories. So should you. For a limited time, head on over to LegacyBox.com slash for their best Mother's Day sale ever. Buy today. Take advantage of 60% off Legacy Box. Send in when you're ready. Go to LegacyBox.com slash Shapiro. We've done this for my parents. We've done this for my in-laws. We've done this for ourselves. And because you have a bunch of VHS tapes out in the garage. They're all moldering. You don't have a VCR anymore. Go get that stuff transferred over to digital right now, head on over to LegacyBox.com slash Shapiro. There's never been a better time to convert your entire collection. Okay, so now it's time to uh, to go through how people dress when they wish to violate all of the norms. So this is a human named Jordan Roth. I do not know who Jordan Roth is. Jordan Roth is apparently some sort of American theater producer and oversees five Broadway theaters, including the St. James, Al Hirschfeld, August, uh, August Wilson, Eugene O'Neill, and the Walter Kerr. And dressed up as a geisha. This is a dude dressing up as a geisha. Uh, of course, Jordan Roth is a gay man, and um, this means that he is a hero. He, he is obviously a hero because he's dressing up in women's clothing, right? Violating the taboo, and this is a person who has tremendous cultural power. I mean, running five of the biggest theaters on Broadway gives you the ability to basically say what enters public culture and what does not. Or how about? Lil Nas X, you want to talk about satanic and secular actually merging? That's Lil Nas X, right? I mean, one of his recent videos was literally a video of him being shtuped by Satan, like giving a lap dance to Satan, because obviously Lil Nas X came out as gay. And not only did he come out as gay, he came out as like the most gay. In fact, he came out as so gay that there was a picture that emerged, I believe, a few weeks ago of him making out with a woman. And he had to put out a statement saying that he was not straight because that's how far we have come in our culture. It used to be that gay men would masquerade as straight in order to get roles and not be quote-unquote canceled. Now Lil Nas X has to make sure that nobody, nobody should think this guy's straight. So he shows up to the Met Gala wearing silver body paint, studded with rhinestones all over his body, wearing basically a thong and platform heels in an attempt to shock and appall. Now, none of this is shocking because, again, secular culture has become so predominant that nothing shocks anymore. Once secularism becomes actually secular, like throughout the culture, then it doesn't shock anymore. But um, pretty, pretty amazing. I mean, that, that was an actual thong uh, that, that Lil Nas X was wearing right there. And he looks, I mean, he, he really does look as though he's a monster from The Last of Us. Like, like the, all, all the fungus overgrew his face and, and all of this. But the idea is that he's violating all the rules because he's like quasi-naked. Ooh, so shocking. Again, violation of rules is the, is the idea here. Or if you don't like that violation of rules, how about Doja Cat who dressed up as an actual cat? For no reason that anyone can discern. So again, this, this the Met Gala always has a theme. The theme this year was Karl Lagerfeld, who's a fashion creator of her Chanel. Um, and, uh, and somehow, this is the result. A person who is dressed up as a cat, like from the creepy cats trailer with James Corden and Taylor Swift, looking horrendous. But the idea is human, animal, all boundaries can be violated. It's good. It's a good thing. It's not a freak show. It's a good thing. Because when boundaries are violated, everyone is more free. Violate the boundaries. Violate the scruples of traditional distinction making. And you've made the world a better place. Now, so much of the Bible is rooted in the idea of distinctions. The Bible is rooted in this. Right? The notion of, in Hebrew, kadosh, holiness, is that it distinguishes between that which is not holy and that which is holy. Right? The entire book of Leviticus is about the pure and the impure. The whole goal of religion is to separate off that which is bad for mankind from that which is good for mankind, in both action and even, you know, for, for those of us who are Jewish, in food, right? This is what the kosher system is about. Religion is based on distinction. Secularism is based on intermix everything altogether and then pretend that it makes for a better non-chaotic world. And it's precisely the opposite. Florence Pugh showed up as well. And again, the idea is the more that you gender bend, the better you are. So Florence Pugh has now shaved her head. Um, no one really understands why. And is apparently, apparently she killed a peacock and has now taken all the feathers off the back of the peacock and stacked them upon her head. Exciting stuff. Jared Leto actually just came as a cat. Uh, I'll give it to Jared Leto. He, he understands this is just Halloween. Every year he just comes as like something super weird and bizarre. He doesn't even bother with, with like the, I'm gonna pretend that I'm a fashion icon. Like one year he showed up actually holding a second head of Jared Leto. So I'll at least give appreciation for the, cl- the clarity that Jared Leto presents on a sort of fashion and moral level. Cara Delevingne showed up as well, apparently after having raided her hotel's bathrobe. And uh, so again, the, the goal here is not to wear things that are wearable or beautiful or classy or anything. The goal at the Met Gala is to shock. The goal that this is how you gain all sorts of credibility is by shocking and violating all sorts of scruples and wearing idiotic things. And then we're all supposed to pretend these are Lukes. You look like an idiot. I'm sorry, you look like a stupid idiot. That's all. But because you're violating those rules, it's a good, it's a moral good. This is why we're supposed to pay attention to this sort of stuff. Janelle Monae showed up like without an actual dress, which was very exciting for everyone. She had two looks, two looks. One is, uh, I don't even know what this is supposed to be. She showed up as a black and white Christmas tree. Um, She is wearing, for those who cannot see, a hoop skirt that is papered over with a giant coat, apparently sewn from like one of my daughter's knitting kits. And then she stacked her hair all the way up on her head in the form of a bizarre tower, I, I don't know what what she, she's she's a piece of furniture now. They just put her in the corner and leave her there. So that, that's exciting stuff. And now, now all of us find this. All of us who live in sort of the real world. Oh, here she is. Th- th- this is true fashion. True fashion is you show up wearing ridiculous boots, a bra and and high riding panties, and a completely transparent hoop skirt dress that goes all the way up above your breasts. And all the way down to your shoes, but you can see directly through it because it's actually just transparent nylon. Th- this is because this is true beauty, guys. We're redefining all the terms. We're redefining all the terms. Now, listen, is a beautiful woman, but that has nothing to do with the fashion. The fashion's garbage. It's not meant to actually, you know, make her look beautiful. It's meant to shock. That is the entire goal here. The reason that I point this out is because if the value of your culture is to shock, If the value of your culture is to break the taboos and there are no more taboos to break, you have to keep finding new taboos to break. When you are a a culture that is in search of taboos to break, because again, it's the opposition to whatever is the status quo that defines you as as a rebel, defines you as a moral person. Whatever are the things that whatever fences are around you, no matter what they are, have to be obliterated, you end up finding worse and worse fences to obliterate. It's true in fashion. It also happens to be true in terms of things like sexual mores. There's a reason we moved from homosexual... Relations as legal, fine. To civil unions, everyone's like okay. To gay marriage, to transgenderism, to let's trans the kids. And now, to the the next push is going to be the idea that if you're a youth-attracted person, meaning a pedophile, that this is just another form of sexual orientation. Every taboo must be violated in the name of reason and compassion. Every taboo must be violated because once you obliterate the moral standard, there's nobody left to prevent, and there's nothing left to prevent the expansion. Of your own rationale to pretty much anything. I mean, this is a point that Nietzsche made 150 years ago. Like, there, there's nothing new here. When Nietzsche talks about the death of God and he suggested that there was nothing left to replace God, that, that it would essentially be nothing but an issue of will, he wasn't wrong. He was quite prescient in that. And again, this is a, we, it all seems silly because we're doing this with regard to the culture and and the culture we pretend doesn't matter, but the culture does matter quite a lot, right? High culture. Yeah, there are a lot of memes that have gone around on twitter in recent in recent months right memes that show like the difference between ancient architecture and modern architecture they'll show like a church that was built like a gothic church that was built in 1200 in england and then they will show you like a brutalist sculpture in washington dc and you know people kind of brush that off but fashion is just another form of human activity and if the leaders of fashion are no longer into providing the beautiful and they're no longer into providing the feminine for women and the masculine for men and instead it's just all about mashing all of it up and violating all taboos, should we really be surprised? That is a manifestation of a culture in confusion. It's a manifestation of a culture that has no rules. And a culture with no rules is a culture that is destined to die. And that's essentially the direction that we are currently heading. All right. In just one second, we're going to get to an actual crisis on the border that the White House continues to deny. First, GenuCell. OK, they're helping you Find the perfect gift for Mother's Day this year. To prove it, they're offering over 70% off their most popular package. Plus, for the first time ever, Genucell is including both the Ultra Retinol and Dark Spot Corrector with every purchase of their most popular package. Don't miss out on this amazing deal just in time for Mother's Day. Genucell's Ultra Retinol contains a powerful retinol alternative. It's safe to use on your skin in the summer sun. Their Dark Spot Corrector helps reduce the appearance of dark marks and sunspots. So, I've seen the comments. You guys think that I'm aging just amazingly well. Genucell would be the reason. I've been using Genucell since like 2014. Go to GenuCell.com slash Shapiro. Save over 70% off GenuCell's most popular package during their Mother's Day sale. Plus, we get a complimentary Spa Essentials box with every package order from now until Mother's Day. GenuCell will even give you a free upgrade to priority shipping. That's GenuCell.com slash Shapiro. GenuCell.com slash Shapiro. genuce com slash Shapiro makes a great Mother's Day gift. GenuCell. Go check them out right now. Also... If you're looking for something fascinating to watch, check out our series, What We Saw, hosted by storyteller Bill Whittle. Season one focused on Apollo 11. Season two of What We Saw is now in full swing. This time, Bill paints a bleak picture of the growing existential threat to America due to Soviet Russia and Cuba. Episode eight picks up during 1961, the aftermath of disastrous Bay of Pigs invasion in Cuba. With the Berlin Wall complete, Closing the Iron Curtain on Western Europe, the Soviets have now installed medium-range nuclear weapons in Cuba. One wrong move from President Kennedy might set off nuclear war. Bill makes you feel like you're there witnessing history happening. New episodes of the Cold War come out every single week. You have to be a member to see it. Go to dailywire.com slash coldwar to start watching. Okay, meanwhile, the illegal immigration crisis is about to explode down at our southern border. Joe Biden has presided over the worst illegal immigration problem in the nation's history. Yesterday, Corinne Jean-Pierre, the world's most untalented press secretary, she uh, went out there and told what is probably the biggest lie that this administration has ever told. She suggested that Joe Biden has done an amazing job on the border. And in fact, border crossings, illegal border crossings are down like 90 percent or some such nonsense.
2: He has tools that he's used to, to make sure that we do this. We actually deal with the immigration system in a humane way uh, and in a, in a way that is uh, uh, that actually deals with what we're seeing at the border. And that's why you've seen the parolee program be so successful. Uh, it has it has um, it has uh, uh, when it comes to illegal migration, you've seen it come down uh, by more than 90 percent. And that's because of this act, the actions that this president has taken.
0: Uh, That is, I'm sorry, that is just crazy crap. Okay, in 2022, we had the highest number of crossings ever recorded, ever, according to W-O-A-I, San Antonio. And we are talking about over 2 million migrants stopped in 2022. That was up from over 1.73 million the year before, and it's about to get way the hell worse, like way the hell worse, because border towns are now declaring a state of emergency. Title 42 is about to be lifted. According to townhall.com, El Paso Mayor Oscar Leeser, a Democrat, implemented the state of emergency starting on Monday. If there's no emergency, why do you need a state of one? Democrats have been saying there's no emergency. At the border is totally fine. All is under control. Meanwhile, a Democratic mayor in El Paso is like, yeah, no, we got a problem. The city has already been experiencing a new wave of illegal immigrants even before Title 42 is officially gone, resulting in more processed migrants being on the city streets after they were released by Border Patrol. Laredo also declared a state of emergency on Sunday. That's going to last for seven days. It will probably be renewed again. All the way down in Brownsville, uh, Brownsville in the Rio Grande Valley, the city has seen a significant increase in illegal crossings recently. Brownsville will also declare an illegal immigration emergency, presumably in the coming days. Up to 10,000 illegal immigrants a day will probably be crossing our southern border once Title 42 is no longer in effect. Bill Malugan, who does a really good job covering this sort of stuff for Fox News. He tweeted out yesterday, over 22,000 Border Patrol apprehensions in the last 72 hours, an average of over 7,000 per day, putting us right back into peak numbers we were seeing last year. We're now 10 days away from the lifting of Title 42 and expected major surge. Buckle up. Well, yeah, it's going to get really, really bad really, really quickly, because it turns out that when you offer pretty much open entry to everyone, when you say, show up, we'll process you and release you into the interior, or don't show up and just cross the board and we'll leave you alone. Tons and tons of people tried to cross the border. Meanwhile, the White House just lies about the consequences of illegal immigration. So for example, horrific story we mentioned yesterday. An illegal immigrant named Francisco Oropesa shot five people in Texas. Hey, th- This person was deported three times, three separate times, crossed the border again, and then murdered five people, including an eight-year-old child in Cleveland, Texas. Corrine Jean-Pierre's take on this is that it was about gun control, not about illegal immigration, not about the border. It was about gun control.
2: On Friday evening, a nine-year-old child was murdered along with four others in yet another shocking, horrific act of gun violence in America, this time in Cleveland, Texas. Two of the women killed were discovered on top of surviving children and appeared to be shielding them from gunfire. And all, five people were murdered by an individual armed with a powerful AR-15-style rifle. As the manhunt for the suspected assailant continues, we urge the public to heed all guidance from law enforcement officials and stay safe.
0: I noticed that you left out all of the relevant information. is a Mexican national allegedly committed the execution-style murders last Friday after a family member of the victims complained about him firing a rifle in the middle of the night. He then went into the neighbor's house with the rifle and fired at the individuals inside. Five of the 10 people living in the home were murdered. Apparently, this entire area in Texas is basically run by the drug cartels. So excellent job. Once again, Biden administration, they're doing just a wonderful job. How bad is the illegal immigration crisis? Lori Lightfoot, the mayor of Chicago, is now begging the state of Texas to stop sending illegal immigrants up to Chicago. It's all fun and games until illegal immigrants actually hit Democratic areas in the north.
1: Chicago's outgoing mayor, Lori Lightfoot, who you just heard from, is now urging Texas Governor Greg Abbott to stop sending busloads of migrants to her city of Chicago. Lightfoot yesterday wrote in a letter to him saying, quote, your lack of consideration or coordination in an attempt to cause chaos and score political points has resulted in a critical tipping point in our ability to receive
2: individuals and families in a safe, orderly and dignified way. Have you heard anything? No, we had not heard anything back. And frankly, I didn't expect to hear anything back, but I felt like it was important to once again try to engage the governor but also let him know what his policies and practices are doing in cities like Chicago. We are completely tapped out. We have no more space, no more resources. And frankly, we're already in a surge. We've been seeing over the last week, two to three, 200 plus people coming to Chicago every single day.
0: Wow. You mean, you mean that since like August of 2022? You guys have seen something like 8,100 illegal immigrants shipped up to Chicago from Texas. Um, do you remember those numbers that I told you a minute ago? 7,000 a day, a day entering Texas right now. That's how many people are being accosted at the American border. It's going to go up to 10,000 a day. We don't have the power for that. Is she, is she calling on Joe Biden to do anything? Of course not. She's a Democrat. That's not how any of this works. Meanwhile, Joe Biden continues to maintain that everything is going great guns on the economy. Yesterday, he celebrated regulators ensuring the sale of First Republic. This is the second biggest bank failure in American history, by the way, and he's celebrating it as a big win. By the way, you will foot the bill for some of this because it's going to have to be the FDIC filling in some of the depositors. Here is uh, here is Joe Biden yesterday.
1: I'm pleased to say that the regulators have taken action to facilitate the sale of First Republic Bank and ensure that all depositors are protected and the taxpayers are not on the hook.
0: Oh, the taxpayers are not on the hook. Interesting. So according to The Wall Street Journal, J.P. Morgan Chase, their purchase of failed First Republic Bank boosts the New York Bank's massive loan book and dominant deposit franchise. It gives the megabank a new crop of rich customers at a time when it is trying to expand its wealth management operation. It allows Chief Executive Jamie Dimon to once again play the role of industry savior. So the big get bigger. J.P. Morgan used its huge balance sheet to beat out smaller banks for First Republic, which was seized early Monday by the FDIC. First Republic collapsed after losing $100 billion in deposits in a March run that followed the implosion of fellow Bay Area lender Silicon Valley Bank. Now, again, remember what happened to Silicon Valley Bank is that basically they bought up a bunch of government bonds from Joe Biden's government on the belief that there would not be a tremendous rise in the interest rates, devaluing their bonds. Eventually, the bonds would come due. It'd be fine. They'd get their money, except that people started pulling their money out of Silicon Valley Bank because they needed their money to pay their bills. And then it turned out that Silicon Valley Bank didn't have that money because they didn't have the asset base that they could liquidate in order to fill back in the depositor gap. So they went under. So then First Republic started seeing depositor withdrawals from them because it turns out they had a lot of unsecured credit holders, unsecured depositors rather. And those people were like, I don't want my money disappearing like it did for some people at Silicon Valley Bank. So I'm just going to take my money out. And so First Republic was on the verge of collapse. Now, JP Morgan is going to assume all of First Republic's $92 billion in deposits, It's buying most of the bank's assets, including about $173 billion in loans and $30 billion in securities. At the end of the first quarter, JP Morgan had $3.7 trillion in assets and $2.4 trillion in deposits. But here's a problem. A lot of the assets of a lot of these banks are just not good. There, there there, There are a lot of assets that are on the books of a lot of banks that are going to come due, and they're not in good shape. According to Politico, deposits at First Republic will simply become deposits at Chase Bank. This is a good outcome for the FDIC. They didn't want a replay of March in which they and other government officials agreed to invoke a special legal provision, allowing them to back uninsured deposits at SVP and Signature. It took that step for the two banks because they worried that if they didn't, uninsured depositors at other banks would also run. And that did happen at First Republic. The FDIC expects you to take a $13 billion loss to its deposit insurance fund financed by fees from banks. So when they say it's not coming from you, that's wrong because the fees from the banks where are those coming from, they're passed along to you. In other words, all the people at First Republic, they're getting filled in by JP Morgan and the FDIC. How's the FDIC getting its money? From the other banks. Who's filling in the money to the other banks? You. I mean, money has to come from somewhere. You can't just make it up out of nowhere without inflating the currency. Meanwhile, the Federal Reserve is set to raise interest rates to a 16-year high, raising the possibility of recession. According to the Wall Street Journal, officials are likely to keep their options open as they finesse carefully calibrated signals in their post-meeting statement and remarks by Fed Chair Jerome Powell at a news conference after the meeting ends on Wednesday. Meanwhile, the Biden administration is cruising for a bruising with regard to this possible default. So the Republicans in the House have passed a debt ceiling bill that is eminently reasonable. It puts the spending back at 2022 levels. Meanwhile, Joe Biden is like, I'm not even going to negotiate over this. Because when you have the backing of the press, what do you need to actually be good at the job of governing for? Here's Joe Biden.
1: The most important thing we have to do in that regard is to make sure the threat by the Speaker of the House to default on the national debt is off the table. For over 200 years, America has never, ever, ever failed to pay its debt. To put in the capital and, and colloquial terms, America is not a deadbeat nation. We have never, ever failed to meet the debt. Now, as a result, one of the most respected nations of the world we pay our bills, and we should do so without reckless hostage taking from some of the mega Republicans in Congress.
0: You see, it's, it's, it's reckless. Ho- First of all, this MAGA Republican's crap has to stop. Saying that we should spend a little bit less money does not make you a quote unquote extremist MAGA, super MAGA, ultra duper MAGA Republican. That's ridiculous. If you're talking about paying your bills, one thing that you might do to pay your bills is to spend less money. That's the whole point of this particular exercise. Now, apparently, Joe Biden is seeking a debt meeting with Hill leaders. According to Politico, He invited Congress's top four leaders in both parties to a May 9th meeting after the Treasury Department delivered a stark warning on Monday that the nation could hit the existing debt ceiling as soon as June 1st. The secretary's letter was sent after the markets closed on Wall Street. The prediction landed hard on the Hill. Lawmakers had hoped they'd have months to maneuver past the impasse between Biden and McCarthy. On Monday night, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer teed up two pieces of legislation, the debt limit bill House Republicans passed last week that includes significant spending cuts, and one that would suspend the debt limit through the 2024 election with no strings attached. The Schumer spokesperson says that this process is designed to ensure that basically the Republican House bill goes down to flaming defeat and all you're left with is a clean debt ceiling increase. Joe Biden should be negotiating over this stuff, but he doesn't care. He would much rather play politics with the debt ceiling by never cutting anything than he would actually come to some sort of rational agreement. And this is why the last decent Democratic president, believe it or not, was Bill Clinton, who actually negotiated over these sorts of topics. Now, speaking of Joe Biden and his incompetence. Again, I'll, I'll keep repeating it over and over. Joe Biden is an extremely weak candidate, like a very, very weak. How so well again, he just he's not with it. He's not a sentient person. So here is Joe Biden yesterday, randomly talking, taking a phone call, like in the middle of of a presser almost, and saying his wife is waiting for him. Sorry, no not My wife is waiting for me. Goodbye. Bob, I'll catch you later. My wife is Also, uh, Joe Biden, again, had trouble with the reading of the teleprompter. Joe Biden versus the teleprompter, again, going very poorly for the president of the United States.
1: We see it here again today in companies like and I hope I pronounced it right. Uh- uh- Ame Power. Is it Ame? I believe that's right. Yeah. Ame Power, Florida, small business winner, award winner, or, uh, business week winner. You You won.
0: He gets frustrated with his own brain. Uh, uh, You won. Congratulations. Uh, Who are you? Where am I? No one knows. Meanwhile, the smartest person Joe Biden knows, Hunter, continues to be just a garbage bag of a human being. According to the Washington Free Beacon, Hunter Biden's lawyers painted him as financially strapped in his first appearance in an Arkansas court on Monday as he sought to get child support payments to his former mistress and their four-year-old daughter reduced. The president's son, who made millions of dollars off deals and cushy board positions for foreign companies in the past decade, apparently now has no salary had his Porsche repossessed and was forced to sleep on a cot in his father's room during a recent presidential trip to Dublin, according to Biden's lawyers. Yeah, I'm sure that's true. He also stooped to taking financial support from a generous friend, Hollywood lawyer Kevin Morris, according to the court. According to super lawyer Abby Lowell, one of the most expensive attorneys in Washington, D.C., Lowell said that Biden is paying London Alexis Roberts $20,000 per month in child support under an agreement reached in 2020. Apparently, Lowell said that Biden has paid Roberts at least $750,000 over the past few years. This would be to care for the four-year-old child that Joe Biden refuses to acknowledge as his grandchild. The hearing came days after the Arkansas Circuit Court Judge Holly Meyer ordered Biden and his child's mother, Roberts, to appear for all future court dates, arguing their absences are needlessly delaying the case. Biden's lawyers, objected to attempts by Roberts, seem to frame him as privileged and wealthy, arguing he's only traveled on Air Force One one time and stayed on a cot in his dad's room in Dublin during their recent Ireland visit. He no longer owns a Porsche. Oh, he now drives an unspecified car given to him by celebrity lawyer Kevin Morris. So he has a rich dude who's backing his entire lifestyle, but he has no money. What a scam artist. What a garbage human being. During the hearing, Biden's lawyer said his only income is a percentage of his art sales from a New York gallery, and Biden is unable to provide a list of who has bought his paintings and how much they are worth. Lowell said Biden doesn't know the names of any of the buyers under an agreement with the gallery which is intended to avoid in political influence peddling, which, of course, doesn't avoid political influence peddling in any way, shape, or form. The, the fact that the media are so wildly incurious about Hunter Biden, given his continued close association with his father in the White House, is uh, quite astonishing. Meanwhile, Donald Trump, currently the Republican frontrunner, there is a new poll uh, polls showing that he is up in the Republican primaries by maybe 30 points. And there's a reason for that. According to a 2024 Republican nomination poll from CBS News, of Republican voters prefer a candidate who challenges woke ideas. 66% support a candidate who opposes any gun restrictions. 61% say they would like a candidate who says Trump won in 2020. And 57% say they would like a candidate who makes liberals angry. Well, I mean... That's a pretty stacked deck in favor of Donald Trump. Now, I do think that that question says Trump won in 2020 and 57% makes liberals angry. I think that's almost a 100% crossover. Meaning I think the reason a lot of Republicans are saying they want people to say Trump won is because it pisses off liberals. But put that aside, Trump right now is leading on, on a couple of different measures. Which candidate they would vote for today and which candidates they are considering backing. He has majority support right now. According to this poll, 58% of Republican voters in the primaries say they will vote for Donald Trump. 18% say they are not voting for him, but they are considering. 22% say they are voting for Ron DeSantis. 30% say they are considering. So if you took the entire considering crowd and put it on top of DeSantis, he comes in at 50. Trump right now is at 58. And then you have Pence, Vivek Ramaswamy, Nikki Haley, those are all in single digits. Pence at five, Ramaswamy at five, Nikki Haley at four, et cetera. Right now, among the people who say they're voting for Trump, 94% cite his past performance as president. 94% say that he fights for people like me. 84% think that he would beat Biden. 82% say that he deals with his political opponents well. And 75% of those people say that he actually won in 2020. Shockingly, only 64% of people who say they're voting for Trump are doing so because they like him personally. And only 51% say that they are voting for him because he makes liberals angry. Kind of interesting. The smaller non-Trump group says that they're not voting for Trump because they like other candidates more, 65%. 54% say because he's too controversial. 50% because of how he deals with political opponents. And 41% because of his ongoing legal fights. 49% say they are exhausted by the idea of Donald Trump in the the primary. So, you know, it'll it'll be fascinating to see how the primaries play out. One thing that Donald Trump is doing, however, is he's really playing footsie with the left wing. I mean, he really is. He's sitting down with CNN now. He's doing an interview with CNN. According to Politico, he's going to participate in a town hall event with CNN. The event takes place at New Hampshire's St. Anselm College next week and it marks a major moment in the intersection of politics and the media in this still early primary because, again, Ron DeSantis isn't even in the race yet. He's not going on Fox News, presumably, you know, because he's pissed off at Fox News because he thinks that they are shutting him out. CNN is going to have a town hall moderated by Caitlin Collins. Now, it's kind of a win for Donald Trump politically because no matter what happens, Republicans presumably will rally to his defense. It will certainly be a highly biased event. All Trump has to do is not fall down completely on the job, but it is very weird that he will rip the Reagan library as insufficient to host a debate with him. But CNN is totally fine. Fox News is bad, but CNN is totally fine. I think the thing that frustrates a lot of conservatives about Donald Trump, namely his lack of fealty to sort of conservative principles and or outlets, may be the same thing that a, a lot of people in the Republican Party actually like about Trump, which is that he's utterly unpredictable and will do pretty much anything. We'll see how that plays out for him. What the latest polls show, by the way, is that Donald Trump is currently losing in every single swing state. He's down one in Georgia to Biden, four in Pennsylvania to Biden, four in Wisconsin to Biden, three in North Carolina to Biden, two in Arizona to Biden, three in Michigan to Biden. And those polls could all be wrong, but when you are looking up at the possibility of losing pretty much every swing state, that is a serious problem. That is a very serious problem for Republicans moving forward. They should think about who they would like to actually, who's going to win would be a, a pretty solid question. Okay, time for some things I like and then some things I hate. So things that I like today. So I, I do like the Hollywood writer's strike. I'm very excited about this Hollywood writer's strike. I'm mostly excited because it means that all of the late night shows are not going to be on the air. That's exciting. So tonight, there won't be any Jimmy Fallon. There won't be any, there won't be any Jimmy Kimmel. Like, all those shows are going to be off the air tonight because it turns out that somebody actually writes those jokes, which is kind of a shock to me because they're all really, really bad. But now, for the first time in 15 years, Hollywood writers are going out on strike. The Guild announced a work stoppage beginning Tuesday afternoon after negotiations with the labor group representing studios and streamers faltered on Monday night. In a statement Wednesday night, the WGA said its negotiating committee began this process intent on making a fair deal. The studio's responses have been wholly insufficient given the existential crisis writers are facing. So what exactly is that crisis? Apparently... The studios and streamers will not agree to any guarantee of the number of weeks of employment for TV writers in the talks. They proposed creating a day rate for comedy variety writers, and they stonewalled on proposals over minimizing work with no pay and proposals to regulate AI writing like ChatGPT and WGA covered work. Yeah, there can be a lot of unemployed Hollywood writers in the very, very near future. Hollywood, it's the traditional industry—is in serious trouble. The WGA strike is just another symptom of that, and no one could deserve it more. Okay, meanwhile, Bud Light continues to just absolutely get destroyed in terms of the number of people buying it. According to OutKick, Bud Light sales continue to sink like a brick as the Dylan Mulvaney fallout nears its one-month anniversary. The latest numbers are in. The folks at Anheuser-Busch may want to look away. According to Beer Business Daily, Bud Light's off-premise sales volume, the amount of beer sold outside of restaurants and bars, was down 26% from a year earlier in the week ending April 22nd. That's even worse than the 21% decrease from the week prior while Bud Light numbers are now down 8% this year. That includes figures at grocery stores, convenience stores, and liquor stores. Beer Business Daily wrote, quote, the shocking deterioration of Bud Light's Bud Light Blue's market share continued to pace through the third week of April and actually somehow worsened. We've never seen such a, a dramatic shift in national share in so short a period of time. Woo! Well, um, yeah, it turns out that when you completely patronize your audience and you make them feel ridiculous, those people don't want to buy your beer. So, Good for all of you for not buying Bud Light. And keep it up. They deserve it. Okay, time for a quick thing that I hate. Alrighty, so apparently Frog and Toad are now going to be gay. So there is a, a series called Frog and Toad by writer and illustrator Arnold LaBelle. There are four books. Frog and Toad are friends. Frog and Toad together. These are, these are children's books. Apparently, Apple TV is now making a series. On Frog and Toad, and they will continue to make them sort of gay, is the idea. Now, why exactly is this the case? Apparently, Arnold LaBelle himself is a gay man. There's nothing in the actual books that suggests that they are gay. They're animals who are unlike one another, but are friends. This, is, this sort of this, fa- this falls into the gay subculture, Bert and Ernie are stupping category, right? The, the, the basically. Any two characters of the same sex who live in close proximity to one another in children's cartoons end up being picked up by gay subculture and then treated as though they are actually a gay couple who are jackhammering in the back room. Right? That's, that, that is the way that this works in our popular culture. And it's really quite silly and quite foolish. The politicization of children's TV, the attempt to sexualize children's characters is really screwed up, like really screwed up. And the reason for it is obvious because it is a form of changing the minds of small children. That is the goal. It is ideological grooming. Not like they want to have sex with kids. Like they want those kids to believe the same things that they believe about the world and sexual orientation and sexual identity and all the rest of that kind of stuff. And so anytime they can insert that in children's programming, they wish to do so. This is the exact reason why we here at Daily Wear are going to spend $100 million on children's content over the course of the next couple of years. So they don't have to worry about all of this. However, the the fact that um, the Daily Beast is now reporting that, the, that they're going to... Keep the gay subtext is uh, pretty astonishing. The, The title, again, from the Daily Beast is Frog and Toad are still gay in Apple's new kids show if you want them to be. Isn't that wonderful? Because again, imperative that children's TV be made more gay. Very, very, very important. Speaking of which, also very important, apparently, that James Bond be made into a black woman. New piece in the Washington Post. Who says 007 has to be white, British, and male? Oh, you mean aside from the author of the entire James Bond series? Again, it only works in one direction. Nobody's ever like, what if we made Shaft a white female? Nobody ever does that because it's stupid. It turns out the characters have characteristics and those characteristics go to character. The same people who will tell you that race is an innate identity will tell you that it doesn't matter if you take a white character and make them black and it'll make no difference whatsoever. It makes no sense. Now, Again, I have no problem with the idea of a black male bond. The real distinction between would be between, would be between male and female because it turns out that men and women are wildly different. And as I've said before, the idea of a woman who is able to bed down with good-looking men, that's just called a woman. The whole point of James Bond is that James Bond is a man who is able to get beautiful women, which is a male fantasy. And again, a whole different set of obstacles in doing that if you're a man than if you're a woman, as everyone with half a brain knows. But this entire piece by a person named Anna Petoniak says that the latest novel from the James Bond franchise gives us the heroine we've been waiting for. I don't know who this we is, but apparently this is what we need. We... The MI6 agents in question, a young black woman named Nomi, identifies herself to Bond as 007, not to any, not any 007 agent. I'm 07, she clarifies, you probably thought they'd retire it. This, of course, is a quote from the last movie the last movie. But says, Anna Petoniak, if the bond of our imagination is really just a series of gestures, the martinis, the gunfights, the sex, it opens up a much wider array of possibilities. What if Bond were black? What if Bond were a woman? Would that change anything about the essential bondness of Bond? If not, what are we w-? Yes, it would, of course, because men and women are different. Um, oh, it's also tiring. But, you know, the, the tiring is the point. It's all gaslighting. They do something that is transgressive. They destroy, you know, IP. They destroy characters. They they take children's TV and they turn it gay. And then they're like, why are you noticing? Stop that. It's all gaslighting nonsense. All right, guys, the rest of the show continues right now. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll be getting into the mailbag. If you're not a member, become a member. Use code Shapiro at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. Click that link in the description and join us.